Good morning, the Grease and Glamour podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you will share this with a friend and give us a like on whichever platform you are listening to us on. Which, by the way, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Or simply give us a shout-out on Facebook and like or follow us or tweet us or whatever you... I don't know, you know? I can't keep track of all of these different verbs. Instagram. <laughs> Subscribe. Yeah. Follow. Share. Like. Uh, but you notice how I didn't put don't like. But, you know... Um, I'm Mark Fierbacher, president of Universal Imports of Rochester, and I'm joined by Aaron Kane, who, by the way, is my right hand in finding and selling fine import cars here to the wonderful people of Rochester, New York, and the surrounding areas. And we are also joined by Jay Lawrence, marketing guru and founder of Farpoint Creative Marketing. How are you guys this morning? I'm doing great. Good, Good to see Good. you. So we are back for episode... 15. I can't believe there's been 15 episodes. We say that every episode. I know, but it's we do. crazy. We do. We should have. <laughs> it's we 15? It's what? 15? Oh, okay. And my computer still makes that noise, and I don't know how they <laughs> stop it from making it. it out. 15, you'll still hear that. <laughs> so Some things uh, never change. 11 episodes ago, I spilled a iced tea on my keyboard of my Mac, and it's still running. So that's a good sign. Good nod to Apple. Come buy some cars so Mark can get a <laughs> computer. <laughs> so what's new? Anything new? Oh, uh, You know, just getting over this, uh, you know, polar vortex that we endured. Yeah, it's for, been you know, terrible. It's, yeah, it was just crazy. Like, you know, it's 70 degrees. The next day, it's like <laughs> minus 38. And you're like, in Rochester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's uh, pretty spectacular. Did you do anything for Valentine's Day? No, we, we tried to go out to eat and we went to a pizza place and we waited for an hour and we left and oh. ordered a pizza from another place. Uh, that was my Valentine's Day. Wow. We went, out, we went out to dinner. Had a nice dinner. Had a nice prime rib dinner. My wife had this wonderful... Um, shrimp french and it was amazing oh. and you know home in bed by 8 30 you know how it is that's i had yeah. kfc <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no hey she's about being together that's that's exactly <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway today's episode we are going to be talking about car factor fiction so we thought we would kind of throw out a couple questions that get asked to us you know all year round from people um, we realize there's so many things out there that are kind of, um, you know, people think are fact and they're actually not. And things that you tell people and they go, really, I've never heard that before. So thought we'd kind of throw that out there. Um, so. so for me, one thing I, I know I've always been told because I had a red car before is that red cars get pulled over more often than other cars. Is that are you asking us fact or fiction if that's true? So fact or, not? or fiction, do you guys think that's true or not? I say you get pulled over more because you're speeding. <laughs> not because you're in a red car. I think that's a good excuse. <laughs> well, that, that's that's probably true, but it's actually false. So it's it's kind of an urban myth that we've all kind of been told i think it's more so you know trying not to have younger people you know drive fast or um kind of persuading people from getting out of red cars but actually um white cars are pulled over more often than red cars hmm. see and, I, and i've got it 
and and I did a little research here, and I'm looking, and they're saying red cars only make up 14% of the population, do get stopped more regularly than most other vehicles. Red do. Yeah, and ah. I can say that. I so had we a have red... opposing research. Yeah, hmm. well, this is fake news. Okay. <laughs> Which is, you know, now part it's, of the vernacular of the, uh, Listen, of the American language. I might have wrote this. Who knows? Yeah, well. But it is. I, I can only say that I had uh, a red car. I had a red AMC Spirit. And I seem to get pulled over all the time. It was because you were of course, speeding, I was Jay. Also, eight, 18 years old. Well, yeah, so. and it's a type of car, too, you know? Yeah, I, I, I just think, you know. So I would say um, I would say it's probably a little bit of both, right? I think that red cars are more visible. So, so potentially there's that. But, you know, the thing about red cars that I would say, if someone's looking at a red car and they say, well, I don't want a red car because I'll get pulled over more, the the counter action to that is the the nice thing about a red car is if you're more visible to police you're also more visible to everybody else driving which means that people see you you don't blend in with the pavement like you do on a gray or a black car you don't Mm -hmm. blend in with the snow like you do with a white car um so there's probably some pros to having a more visible color car too but we had a red dodge caravan as well got a great deal on it obviously yeah. it was the brightest red thing ever by the way <laughs> the the caravan negates the red so you're back yeah. to even <laughs> you're back to even there it is there it is yeah, i don't know if it was me in red cars i'm like well, how did that happen i think cuz they were cheaper i don't know <laughs> So what did what did you find, Jamie? Any factor fiction? Um, yeah, there's some. Uh, gas prices are lowest on Mondays. Fact or fiction? Uh, I've heard this before. I'm gonna say that if it's true, it's so minuscule that it doesn't matter. Well, according to Gas Buddy, um, A staggering 36 states saw the lowest average fuel prices on Monday morning. Um, Hit the pumps before Monday. Commute. Save a few bucks. Absolutely true. Doesn't say exactly why. I think it has to do with delivery. Um, Well, here's one for you. What what do you think about, um, if we're talking about gas prices, uh, what do you think about the fact that if there's a fuel truck putting gas in the underground tanks as you're there filling up is it fact or fiction that you should not fill up at that point mm, i think that's a fact i think that's a fact too i think it has to do yeah. with the air or something going, going yeah i on. think i think that although um i would say it's it's like a it's loosely a fact i would say that if a tanker truck is filling up the tanks at a gas station um, the potential for the gas being filled up in those tanks and it's stirring up the sediment on the bottom of the tank could potentially get into your fuel system. However, the reason I'd say it's a loose fact is that there's still quite a filtration system before it gets into your tank. And then even when it gets into your tank, there's a filtration system. So, you know, bad gas, uh, which which that would be kind of I'd say classified under bad gas, and I'm not talking about the kind you get after having KFC on a Valentine's <laughs> Day dinner. But <laughs> as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah. "You like that?" I started laughing. You like that tie-in? I, I, I giggled inside. <laughs> but um, I'd say there's some truth. I'd say there's some truth to that. I, I think though, Monday morning gas prices. I mean, how much? What are we talking? 
penny here or there. No, can't be much, right? A few, a few bucks per week. So I don't know. They don't they don't really go into detail here. This is yeah. Huh. Right. A few bucks per week, like on average, is what you'd save. You mean maybe the entire country saves a few oh, bucks? Yeah, in, yeah. In, okay. in total. Well, here's another one talking about gas. Um, fact or fiction? You can drive with an empty gas tank. I think that's a fact. I think most people don't know. You think it's a fact that you can drive on an empty tank? Well, okay, not like a. Com- so when you get on empty, you you still have some gas left over. Yeah, the- you well, know, see, you, that's a, not- see, that's a loaded trick question because if you say, "Can you still drive on an empty tank?" If your tank is actually empty. No, you well, cannot you would, drive well, true, well, you would but, know it because you're not inside the actual tank. The only thing you have to go by is what everybody does, which is the gauge. Is the gauge, yep. So yeah. if the so so if that gauge is completely on empty, can you still drive okay. there? I I've I've changed it even though it makes no difference. But the question I, being if the if the gas gauge reads empty, can you still drive? And I would say that it's a you're playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette with that one because I don't think there's any really way real way to know because it's got to be per car, right? Mm-hmm. Some cars yep. m- might have more fuel still left when the gauge is on empty than others. And I know like a lot of cars now have an actual mileage count like you'll have in your trip computer. Yeah. It'll yep. say you've got 50 miles left. Well, I would agree that even when you're almost on empty, you still have some left in there that hopefully will get you where you need to go. But it's a dangerous game. But aside from even if you get to a fuel station, it's fact or fiction. Is it very bad to well, do that? Well, let's get to the – well, that, we, we've moved on from the is it true or not to creating another. So, yeah, yeah I mean, obviously you don't want to put you know sediment back into your, into your engine and things like that. But manufacturers all are um, making it so that there is actually more gas in those cars, most of them. Um, so like, uh, a brand new Ford F-150 can travel over 80 miles after that gauge reads zero. Okay. So, um, m- most cars, that's what they're saying, that most cars are built, they're really just faking you out with a gauge. So you have to mm-hmm. consciously so be wanting to run out of gas. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You have an F-150. Yeah, yeah. A- ab- absolutely. You actually want to run out of gas if you run out of gas on that car. Yes, absolutely. I mean. Fact or fiction? Is it more, do you waste more fuel starting your vehicle than you do for letting it idle for 20 minutes? That's really not so a fact are or you fiction. So st- are you that starting was, uh, and stopping? Fact or fiction. And do you, you uh, here, I'll rephrase the question. Yeah. Fact or <laughs> fiction. Do, <laughs> do you use more fuel starting your vehicle so you than idling for 20 minutes? Yeah, you, you, I would, you spend more in that because. What do you say, Aaron? I I would, I would say yes. You you do, but I I don't. You would know. say yes. So the so you cl- you would use more fuel starting your car. That's yeah, what I that's think. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. False. Oh. Absolutely false. You use almost no. There's no extra fuel used in starting your vehicle. Uh, then if you, if you were to idle for 20 minutes, you would use a lot more, you would burn a lot more fuel than if you started your car. And the proof is, is in most of the newer cars, you have that eco button mm-hmm. and that eco button is there for when you come to a stoplight 
it will the engine will shut off and then it will restart when you take your foot off the brake. A lot of newer cars have that. Um, and that and a lot and I remember when it first came out, my first thing was going, well, wait a minute. I was always told that it takes more to start your car than it does to let it idle. So what's the deal with these things shutting off and then restarting? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is it does not take much fuel to restart to start your car. Hmm. So that is a myth. So here's my question. So on on cold days, and I, I read this, but I don't know if it's fact or fiction. On cold days, like if you go out to lunch and you want to start your car before going home, is that a good or a bad thing? If bad. you start it, they say, yeah, it's bad now. It's bad. It's oh, it. So wait, yeah, and Jay's right. It's bad now. Back when cars were carbureted and not fuel injected, it was important to let the car warm up a little bit because it, the carburetor needed time to get the mixture between the fuel and the okay. air right for the car to run properly. Now with fuel injection, you do not need to let your car warm up for, for any real measurable time. The recommendation is about 30 seconds. So, you know, you get in your car, you start your car. By the time you put your seatbelt on and put it into gear, about 30 seconds has elapsed, yeah. and that's all you really need to warm up your car. Okay. Um, Unless you're I, trying to defrost your windows or something. Well, like yeah. That, so, well, you know, actually, this is a very interesting point because, uh, and this is, a, this is something we run into a lot with dealing with uh, European cars and even some of the Asian uh, luxury imports, but more so European cars. You ever wonder why all these other cars come with remote start options, as well as there are a lot of remote start options for all domestic cars, most Asian cars, but not so much for European cars. And that is because it is they have, disco- they have researched and discovered that it is very detrimental to the environment as well as it's not fuel efficient for the engine for it to sit idling for a long period of time. So yeah, people, but most of them don't sit in the dark cold of winter either like well, we do yeah. here. Let's talk about that. I don't know. Go, go ask some of these people that live in Sweden if they're sitting in the cold of winter. I'm and, pretty sure if you live here, we're actually colder than it is there. I, I'm, I'm just not buying it. <laughs> Listen, I'm not buying this whole European thing. It's like asking why did – it, it, I hate to digress into this, but I was thinking as you're talking about this, I'm like, yeah, what is going on with some of those? So in the Audi Q5, facts or fact or fiction, the uh, battery placement is is kind of a pain. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and how about the terminals? Like unless you're seven foot two, you can't reach where the terminals are underneath the hood. Okay, so they have terminals in the engine, but if you really think about it, it's much better where they place the batteries. Even though in some of the models, it's harder to get to. It keeps the battery from corroding. Yeah, I think Whereas, it's, I think it's great, but then you got to make it a little easier for me to get to the terminals <laughs> in the hood because well, we tried yesterday just because we bought a new, um, got a portable battery charger, uh-huh. great one, and you know the probably got a two foot reach. So I found the the, the terminal after I climbed up over the engine. <laughs> I'm actually inside the car, laying there, going, "Okay, can I possibly?" And then I'm like, "Well, I don't have the negative." Well, I just what what is going on? And I'm like. Okay, well, let's see where the real battery is. So we figured it out. I go, this is a lot of work. So for me, when you're talking about the European cars and they're talking about their studies on weather, and no, I'm not buying them because look where they put that. Well, 
I will respectfully disagree with you on that because I think the battery placement in those cars is perfect because it keeps them away from weather. So, like, BMWs will put them in the trunk. Um, some Audis put them underneath, actually, the driver's seat even. Uh, some cars are under the back seat, and that's to keep it away from any weather elements, keep them warmer, keep them uh, free from getting road debris, all of that kind of stuff up there, dust, dirt, all of that. So for that, it's great. Most cars, although not all, do have a positive battery terminal inside the engine compartment. Uh, it's not always easy to get at. However, they now are making they they make the alternator so strong in these cars and the batteries so good that we also aren't replacing batteries right. or seeing mm-hmm. batteries die nearly like we used to. Um, but uh, the other question I always had with that EcoStart thing was. Okay, so I understand that now it does not take more fuel to start your car, but it seems like it would put more strain on your starter and your electrical system having to, you know, shut Shut off and start, shut off and start, shut off and start. But they're also building these starters so robust now that, honestly, I could probably count on two hands how many starters we've replaced in a year. Back 15 years ago, we did starters Weekly, oh, it was mm-hmm. a, every six months or eight months. They swore, yeah. Cars so, so they're so they're going. making these things so much, so much better. But here's another factor fiction if you have a turbo car, which a lot of vehicles now are turbo because they've switched out these six cylinder, you know, natural aspirated engines for these four cylinder turbo models, which are more fuel efficient. Um, is it should you? warm up your turbo before you drive and or should you cool it down when you're done driving fact or fiction he's not really doing the fact or fiction no, it's like one or the other questions. <laughs> okay. as i was saying about the first one here we are rolling down the hill once again i'm listening going i don't know how to answer that because this is the second time like the he's like so is this fact or fiction all right pick a or b <laughs> sally has an audi a4 turbo and Jimmy has a non-turbo BMW. No, just <laughs> yeah, that was still not going to be factor fiction. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm going factor fiction. Should you cool that? No, that's <laughs> so it's really two okay, factor fiction. No, so I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you an actual statement, and you're going to say it's factor fiction. This is you so should much cool fun. down your turbo when done driving. Factor fiction. I would say fact. Yeah, sure. I'm going with fact. <laughs> Correct. It is fact. Uh, warming up a turbo is not a thing. You don't need to warm up a turbo. Cooling down a turbo is a thing. And what you do to cool down a turbo is, so when you, let's say, you you know, you're driving, and if you're driving, I'd say anything over, you know, probably 30 miles an hour, you're probably using your turbo. You may not be working it really hard as if you were, you know, doing 65 or really hitting on the gas. But when you know you're going to be shutting your engine off, uh, Either for a minute or two before you do that, you drive, you're driving at slower speeds, you know, more calm driving, or just let it idle for another 30, 60 seconds. You're just letting oil circulate through the turbo without the turbo actually having to do any work. That cools it down. And the reason you want to cool down a turbo is that there's actually bearings that spin inside the turbo. So you it gives it a, a, the ability for those bearings to to cool down with oil circulating through. If you shut the car off, you don't let the oil circulate through. So, fact. Well, we got one right. Yeah. 
One out of eight. <laughs> yeah. So, Mark, here's one for you. You can drastically um, improve your mileage by replacing your oxygen sensor. True. I would say true. Although it's such a weird it's, – it's a weird thing because uh, even though a brand-new oxygen sensor – could potentially give you better fuel mileage. There's been nobody on the planet that has walked in and said, please replace my oxygen sensor so I get better fuel efficiency. You only seem to ever replace oxygen sensors when you have an engine light come on and they have a code for a, a, a non-working oxygen sensor. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the fact of the matter is, is if you were to replace your oxygen sensors every 60,000 miles, you would be doing your car a service because you would get better fuel efficiency. Although it's a tough sell because oxygen sensors, unlike air filters and other things that might help increase fuel efficiency, can be expensive. What and did, what did they say in the in the actual findings? Because I have no idea. So they said if if it's not working, a simple repair could boost your mileage by as much as forty percent, and that was according to the U.S. Department so that's of what Energy. You're saying. Yeah, but a simple but, repair means a simple replace because exactly. there's no way to – you don't repair a, right. an oxygen yep. sensor. You replace it. But here's – so so here's how an oxygen sensor works, okay? So an oxygen sensor is is a, uh, a sensor that monitors the mixture of air and gas that's being combusted in the engine. If that – it's – Imagine it like a sniffer. It's a nose, okay? It's got a little nose on it, and it screws into the exhaust system. On some cars, they have some before the catalytic converter and some after or in different places in the exhaust system, and they're measuring the exhaust and measuring how much fuel is in that exhaust and how, you know, so, or how lean or rich the exhaust coming through it is. It has a wire on it. It sends information back to the computer that says, hey, the car's running too rich or running too lean, and then the computer makes adjustments based on that information. So over time, what happens is if that nose of that oxygen sensor is sticking inside the exhaust and exhaust is going over it all day long, it eventually builds a little sediment over that that nose. And therefore, after a while, it it gets a cold. It, pl- it plugs up and it can't smell very good. <laughs> It gets a cold. <laughs> it gets a little cold. I like that analogy. <laughs> and so it can it can yeah. skate the line of not working efficiently, but not working so inefficiently that it's turning your engine light on and telling you to replace it. So technically, I could call a customer and say, hey, it's 60,000 miles. You should replace your oxygen sensors. And most likely, I'll just hear a click. <laughs> Don't hang up on me. Uh, in theory, replacing your oxygen sensors regularly would help fuel efficiency. Although it's unlikely that anybody will ever recommend that to you as a part of a tune-up. All right, I would think. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Good I enough. would think, <laughs> but uh, who knows? Maybe they do. Um, can you get better fuel efficiency if your AC is off? and or your radio is off. I didn't say facts or fiction. I just said can you. So you can should be able to answer that question easily, Jay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. 
I don't I don't think that's true anymore. And certainly have the battery, like the radio, is, no. So I don't Aaron, think so. Do I think? don't think so either. So technically, it is true. Technically, if you let's put it this way, if you were like Aaron and she was going to let her gauge be empty and try and see how many miles she can get uh, to the gas station. Which Aaron doesn't. I do don't. That. I don't like to play that game. <laughs> but I freak if out. you are it's that, if you are that person and your gauge is on empty and you're still driving and the gas station is ten miles away, and it's summertime, turn your air conditioning off because air conditioning puts a pretty heavy load on the electrical system of the car, mm-hmm. and therefore the alternator needs to work harder, and the alternator works off of the power of the engine. So, therefore, but don't your open your windows because if you open your windows, then. Now you got drag, which slows you down, yeah. which means you're not going to get there. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of these games. We we're going real right scientific. We're yeah, going we're gonna, real deep. Yeah, I thought I'd throw that out there to you, and now everybody's you know, going. Yeah, he's true. It's, it's, it's I would it say, is. It, yeah. if, if so, I would say that the radio probably does not take the power that a compressor does for an air conditioning system. And heat is a different ball game because mm-hmm. heat, aside from a blower motor blowing, the heat is coming from the the heat of the engine. Essential. I mean. In a roundabout way. So it's okay um, to be like completely sweating, yeah, super yeah. hot in the car, listening yeah, to Billy yeah. Ocean. And you're like, good to go. <laughs> Turn right? off yeah. the Billy Ocean. Turn off the AC. No, you just said it didn't matter. I'm thinking you can just crank whatever you want. Not that I would crank Billy Ocean. And I don't know why that came I would say the, I would say the radio probably doesn't create too much electrical uh, draw in the situation. AC would be much more so. But if I were that close to empty, radio would be off, windows be up, AC would be off. And any electrical components I would have in the car running would be off, including headlights. Hopefully it's not nighttime. Yeah, seriously. And that's how yeah. I would get 95 would... degrees out, it's dark. <laughs> You're just taking a chance. And you can't even listen to your Billy Ocean. You're like, this is, this, this is Who horrible. Who listens to Billy Ocean anymore know. anyway? Nobody, I'm pretty sure. Maybe. Maybe they do. He does concerts <laughs> still. I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, All right. So kind of to play off of what you talked about with the oxygen sensors, will a tune-up give you better fuel efficiency? I think so. Jay? Yes. Regular tune-ups can increase fuel efficiency by 4% on average based on an epa study so let me ask so if people don't really know i mean i know every car is different what a tune-up involves what what would you say a normal tune-up is a small tune-up a small scale tune-up could be as simple as an air filter replacement there's usually two types of air filters in a car there's the engine air filter and then there's the cabin air filter the cabin air filter has nothing to do with the engine it has all to do with picking up contaminants in the air that you breathe with your blower on with air coming through the vents so that's the cabin air filter that won't do anything for fuel efficiency your engine air filter however there is kind of a little bit of a debate going on out there in the car world as to whether it really does anything for fuel efficiency Um, but i would say even though it might not be you might not get a huge result by replacing it it's important to replace your air filter for engine longevity and it does help affect fuel efficiency. It does help uh, positively affect fuel efficiency. I just think keeping up with your car, doing the right things yeah. all the time. It includes, you know, whether it's filters or new tires, um, you know, all those types of things can certainly help improve your, you know, your your gas mileage going forward. And I can speak to the, I got four brand new tires 
and they yeah. are marvelous. <laughs> yeah, by the way, tires, though, you know, they, they talk about low rolling resistance tires. And now studies are coming out saying, you know, the rolling resistance on new tires is going to affect fuel efficiency very minimally. But uh, improper tire inflation, inflation. I think that's, that's a lot. Go- that, that can be a lot. Anything that creates drag on a car. You know, I see people that on one hand do everything to get the best fuel efficiency, but have a roof rack on their car that they yeah. use twice a year and keep the rack on all year long. And just the drag from the aerodynamics of those roof racks can affect fuel efficiency. Yep. So proper f- tire inflation. Um, it, having snow tires and stuff like that, that's going to have definitely a, a much higher rolling resistance than a, a smooth all-season new tire. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. it, it, you also got to look at how people drive and when they gun it and they, yep. you know, all of a sudden they're hitting that gas and they decide they need to go 90 on the throughway, <laughs> like that's quick burst. Well, listen, your gas mileage just went out the, oh, yeah. the window because you just smoked it. You know, I mean, that. so I, I think just taking care of your car normally should be a, a fact as yeah. we do fact and fiction should be like yeah. all those type of things come come into play. A major tune-up though would be replacing your spark plugs, which you know the the problem we're running into in this industry right now is that for years what I think has happened is a lot of these car companies they wanted to boost uh, and brag to people that you buy this car and it's essentially maintenance free for the first hundred thousand miles, let's say. So they did away with uh, a real structured tune-up program. It used to be so much easier. I mean, most cars had, you know, there was a 15,000-mile service, which was usually the oil change and an air filter. And then the 30,000-mile service was the same thing, plus spark plugs, and in some cases, a fuel filter. Then it went to like 60 Then or it was, you know, then it was 45, and then it was 60. It was a 15,000-mile increments. And... That's pretty much was the standard. Now, some car companies called them different things. Some cars called them simply 15,000-mile service, 30,000-mile service, 45, 60, 75, 90, so on and so forth. Mercedes, you know, they would call them service A's and service B's. BMW called them service 1's and service 2's. Um, and, and so other companies had different names for the same thing. That was such an easy way to monitor where people's you know engine health sat in terms of what they needed next now it's so convoluted it's so all over the place to the point where by no fault of the customer at all um people just don't know when was the last time i had spark plugs when was the last time i had an air filter um it's it's really hard to track uh so that's why it is important whether you're coming to universal imports or you live somewhere else and you're going somewhere else but it's you really want to you really want to um, work with a place that is keeping track of when you've had those things done right. prior, mm-hmm. uh, because it's so easy to you know you're seventy five thousand miles in and you realize you've never done spark plugs, you've never done an air filter, um, and guess what, you know you're not most people aren't measuring their fuel efficiency on a weekly basis, so you are going you are not going to notice how you know, how your engine's performing differently because it's such a gradual change over time. And until you get those things done, you go, wow, <laughs> my, my engine feels better. Right. Uh, my mm-hmm. car runs better. I'm seeing better fuel efficiency. So, 
yeah, it's it's unfortunate that now it's it's much harder to gauge where where a person's car's um, you know tune up maintenance schedule sits. At and I guess pricing is different on all of them too, just based on what could be wrong with its mm-hmm. coils or very different stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And that's the other thing, you know, with with all these cars, they used to have for the most part they might be different part numbers, but they all used typically the same type of spark plug and the same type of filter and now they've tried to you know they've played games over the years all these car manufacturers have tried to come up with sort of proprietary uh filters and plugs and things that you could only get at the dealer oh, kind of like apple yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well they all tried it and you know ultimately it doesn't it doesn't really work and and um so it, yeah it's it's a it's a mess to figure out what people need on their tune-ups and we are we are making strides and we do a lot of work in looking at people's history to make sure that we advise them properly on what they need for tune-up stuff mm-hmm. so this this isn't a fact or fiction but i wanted to change it up because um do you guys know who ralph teeter was the creator of the teeter-totter nope creator of teeter tots i don't know if you watch hsn there's a teeter thing that you <laughs> they make it so you just you know lay upside down for four hours a day and it's supposed to help your back oh yeah is that what that is <laughs> nope that's not I'm it pretty either. sure it wasn't but I, it's the only teeter i know <laughs> so he is actually the man who invented cruise control but he was blind huh. so his uh his lawyer used to drive him around and his lawyer would slow down while he was talking and speed up while he was listening so the rocking motion actually annoyed him so much that he was determined to invent a speed control device, and he received a patent in 1945, and we now have cruise control. Interesting. That yeah. is amazing. I know. I like I like that teeter better than the <laughs> the inversion teeter or whatever. You, and I always watch that thing and go, why am I going to do this? Like, I, if I get you know if I fall on the floor. I'm thinking it's going to take, you know, four people to help me get up. I'm not going to get on something strapped upside down and yeah, hang right. there. You all get of a sudden, everybody leaves. To your head. Yeah, then what if they all leave? I got no <laughs> – yeah, I'm going to pass out. Yeah, no. I like your tinder better. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. When you watch movies and you see all these cars that explode – like, I, I get a kick out of watching these movies where, like, a car will hit a wall and then – or it'll, you know – roll down an embankment or something and then it poof, bursts it, it blows up right like a you know almost like a mini mushroom cloud <laughs> in most cases that is not how that would happen no no but listen it's a movie y- yeah i know <laughs> it's no. just kind of funny to to see how those things you know blow up i mean talk about movies look at some of the stunts you know come yeah. on some of those stunts are like I can't even, and they get so over the top. And I know Aaron is like a Fast and Furious junkie; she loves those movies. Mm-hmm. I can't watch them anymore. They're they're too unrealistic. The jumps are are unrealistic. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I think it's true with anything. I mean, stuff like that. Uh, those are action movies. They're created to be action movies. Yeah. There's, um, and by the way, they do lots of great stunts in there. That's in lots of real stunts. I mean, so they're. So if you look back over the past 30, 40 years in movie history, you know, um, most of the car stunts and anything that you saw back then, they're all real because they didn't have digital, you know, wasn't Weta Studios to be able to create 3D images and things like that. But still today, 
there are some great examples of like really cool what i call and they're called practical special effects or practical stunts so one of the ones that i that i was watching i thought was absolutely amazing was in the dark knight batman there's a scene yep Mm -hmm. and the tractor trailer flips end over end over end okay that was actual that was them blowing really uh, yeah yeah amazing where with the way they do that to blow cars to make them turn like that is they put a cylinder in the bottom of the car and at a certain point it you know ignites it, ignites it, it and it sends it to yeah, sends it to the ground which then flips them huh so if you ever watched do anybody like James Bond oh just a little how bit. about the new one the uh, one of the newer <laughs> ones Casino Royale good movie yeah there is a there's a car flip scene in there was supposed to be a one flip same same idea they used the the canister to blow the car it was supposed to turn one time the stunt driver it ended up seven flips wow and a world record really wow. and a world record just yeah just and, and he lived and he was absolutely fine there was no problem but they thought it was going to do one time oh it actually spun so we'll watch the movie that's well i that's i will say that amazing. uh i know that some of those stunts are real because i watched like ken blocks jim Connor. Which is uh, you started as a YouTube kind of sensation thing where they, where th- this guy he's the guy that was one of the founding creators of DC sh- uh, Apparel, mm-hmm. and he went on to start kind of getting into rate auto racing, and so he sort of formulated this team, and it turned into him doing these crazy videos, stunt videos with these cars that they would, you know, they would really put some crazy engines in them crazy suspensions in them and then they would try to do the the unthinkable um car stunts and so it first started as them showing these like little five ten minute car race things with him and now they have a whole series of showing how they film those things and those are all real deal things but there's like real i mean there's a lot of science that goes into that the, you know, uh, obviously road conditions, temperature, yeah. mm-hmm. altitude, um, yeah. uh, weight distribution in the car, all these things. For everybody other than Evil Knievel who never used science or anything or better bikes, he just did whatever he wants. Yeah. It's all about physics. The stunts are the stunts are are you know the land of physics and making sure. Who was the other is. one that there, came after Evil Knievel? That was a spoof on Evil Knievel. There was Dave. Um, Super Dave. Super Dave. Yeah. Super Dave Osborne, right? Yep, Super Dave Osborne. Uh, <laughs> he just, just passed, passed away. away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And his brother was, uh, oh, um, Brooks, Albert, Albert Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. If nobody knows that, there's a little. Oh, I think Albert Brooks is hilarious. He is I hilarious. Love some of yeah. Albert Brooks movies, and Mel Brooks movies. If we're talking about Brooks, no, we were just talking about Albert Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like Blazing Saddles and, uh, um, oh, uh, what's uh. Spaceballs. <laughs> oh, man. Such a good movie. I haven't seen that in so long. I know. That could be movie night. That could be <laughs> movie night tonight. Spaceballs yeah. is great. So so what I wanted to talk about was let's talk about some of those. You, you started mentioning some of what we think are the greatest the greatest stunts. And there's lots of there's lots of different things that they write about, whether it's fake news or not. You never know. But I think if you've watched these movies, you'll, you'll look at some of them. So... Um, one of the ones that I thought was and still n- would be number one for me would be they call it the Astro Spiral Jump in The Man with a Golden Gun. That is Roger Moore, James Bond, 
There it is. And have you seen that? Yeah, and it's a cool jump. It's such a hokey scene, though. <laughs> Listen, that was the that was the time when Roger Moore brought a little more comedic line. A little, effort, yeah, uh-huh. right. Into, he really into those. It was a little. It was a little more fun. Unlike you know Daniel Craig. And do you watch James Bond movies? See, I've only watched the recent ones, the okay. Daniel Craig. So you ju- you just need to. We always give Aaron a little bit of movie homework. Yeah. And, yeah. In these uh, and podcasts, never and you never fo- she never follows <laughs> through. But what you should do, if you value your job, no, <laughs> if you, value, <laughs> if you job. value your position on the Grease and Glamour podcast, <laughs> is um, you need to you need to watch one Bond movie from each James Bond to because see the differences. Okay. Because they're completely different. You can yep. definitely skip the Pierce Brosnan ones, in my opinion. See, I, I, I don't I, like I've that. seen the Pierce Brosnan ones, too. Ooh. So, okay, I can, can skip I, those, but I have to go from... I mean, I, I think there's probably a good Pierce Brosnan one in there. Um, <laughs> so, I would I would do, I would would do watch Doctor No. That's the first one. Okay. And that's a classic. And it's, and it's Sean Connery at the... You know, he's just, he's a ladies' man. He's, it's, it's, it's an awesome uh, but, depiction of James, but, Ian Fleming's James Bond. But the villains are corny. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it's sure. the, <laughs> horribly it was corny. the 60s, right? So, yeah. So, which, which then changes as you get to like even Roger Moore, who the villains aren't quite as corny, but it's all about comedy. Mm-hmm. Let's, like, let's just say that the villains in the original Bond movies are not far off from Dr. Evil and Austin Powers. Okay. I mean, they're pretty close. <laughs> almost exactly. <laughs> almost really? exactly, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> almost exactly. But yeah, I, but one of the things we talk about with those movies, and they've, and they've pioneered a lot of different stuff with those, with, with you know, with that franchise, but you talk about those stunts. That, that Astro Martin jump is this, the car, he drives this over this ramp that is like a corkscrew, literally corkscrews over and and land, and I'm just like, and there's no CGI back then, no. so there's yeah. no wire work. So, there's yeah, nothing. so, so like, the only you way you can or... do it is if it's real or if you use wires and cranes and stuff yeah. like that. Which, and it's an amazing thing. And I think what you even said it when you watched it, like, well, they faked that. No, <laughs> no, that was real. Well, I really like the whistle. Like, it's got like a cartoon whistle <laughs> as as the car is doing the. <laughs> Doing the barrel rolls like, <laughs> now, that makes it. Now you were talking maybe, about maybe. it. I know how much you like. He said you like the Fast and the Furious. Yep. Uh, Tokyo Drift. So over and over, one of the number one um, stunt that they keep saying is this: this scene in this parking garage where this car drifts the whole way down a, a parking. Yeah. And never hits the wall one time and not only they were saying that the that the driver it was this uh nissan 30 350z uh what was his name reese millen he not only pulled it off once but multiple multiple times he did the exact same thing and never hit anything well, so you get all this that's like that, watching those ken block uh jim Connor uh videos that's what they do they do a lot of drifting uh, a lot of drifting down, you know, but can you spirals imagine? and stuff like, like that. seven floors of no, and never hitting anything. And then, yeah, let's do that one more time. Yeah, what? Oh, we forgot to hit record. <laughs> yeah, we only have the worst. We only have like two cars, so let's hope that you don't hit. Oh, wait a minute, the battery died on the camera. We got to do that again. Yeah, what is going on? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting to look through it. And as I was looking for stuff, and you just come across some of these, and you're like, yeah, that was great. They talk about the Mall Chase and the Blues Brothers. Which is 
Have you seen the Booze Brothers? I have seen. Yeah. yeah. You know. What about, do you remember uh, the first Beverly Hills Cop? Eddie Murphy goes to L.A. and he got the two, they got, uh, what were their names? Taggart and yep. the, the, the two goofy cops there that, yep. are, that have to kind of watch they him. They got to watch him. He goes out, he takes a banana, sticks it in the p- tailpipe, and then takes off. And when he takes off, they try to take off after him, and then the car stalls out. Yep. Fact or fiction on oh, that? That's fact. I would say fact just because I don't know better. <laughs> it's seen, fact. Yeah. I've seen really? it happen with snow. Like if you back oh, up into that, yeah, like that's a, true. You know, if you're close to a snowbank yep. and you've backed into a spot and your car doesn't start, go take a look because it probably is something. Is that, now, what is that? Is that the uh, the sensors in the system? What happens is the uh, exhaust up. backs up, and it actually backs up into the engine. It'll cause the car to stall. And so uh, as soon as you remove the banana, it'll work again. Mm-hmm. So you won't do any like... That sounded horrible. <laughs> <laughs> right? Every once in a while... Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> no, I'm just saying the way you say it, it was said it. Yeah. No, as soon as you remove the banana, <laughs> it'll work well. Oh, is that a very clinical? Uh, I don't know. I just kind of creeped out. I'm just uh, there's a little creepy factor going on over it's here, a right? Little now. Creepy. Yeah, I'll admit. Yeah. See, now, now that you're thinking about it. Oh, <laughs> listen, guy. You now every time you go to eat a banana, <laughs> never again. Because I'll hear Mark saying it. I ruined so many things <laughs> for Jay. Yeah, I know. He, I know. <laughs> Why do I keep coming back? I don't know. Everything gets around. I used to like bananas. Now I can never. <laughs> what about banana. what about the proverbial put sugar in the gas tank to you know get even with someone you put the sugar in the gas tank and that's supposed to ruin the engine i've i haven't heard that um fact or fiction on that one i'm gonna say fact i'm pretty sure you shouldn't add anything other than gas into a gas tank (laughs) so actually it's fiction because they did a study back in the early 90s uh that sugar does not dissolve in gasoline and therefore it can't caramelize and therefore it can't Can't. create Uh. any damage now it doesn't mean it's a good thing to do i Mm -hmm. wouldn't say hey you know i feel like just putting some sugar in my gas tank so you'd be better off putting water in somebody's gas tank Uh, that would that would do that would probably do um it wouldn't well i suppose you could damn you could severely damage the engine if you put enough water in in Yes. Yeah. And, and let me just say, for the record, do we're that, not by the way. asking anybody out there to go try no, these things. Not they're don't, All we're doing is debunking <laughs> that yeah, sugar in a it. gas tank won't it's won't like really hurt anything. Don't do it. Right? Don't do it. Right? Don't, don't do try this at home, home kids. <laughs> yeah. Don't 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 try any of these. Then go, then like send us an email and go. I can't believe it. I just <laughs> yeah. you know I just ruined, ruined my engine. Right. So for me, when I see these car car chase scenes. And you see all these, like, really nice cars getting, you know, torn up and blown up and whatnot. But I didn't realize that that's not necessarily the car. Like, they can put these plastic shells over these, you know, lower-end cars to make them these high-end cars. So now I'm going to look at cars. Really? Yeah. So so as part of the, you know, let's unveil some of the movie magic here. Um, absolutely. So what happens is... For the majority of any stunt car that they're doing, um, they're using junkers, really, that they have now taken, and, and every production will have their whole, they'll have a whole uh, car team that will actually reinforce them. Uh, they have to be a certain sure. standard of, of reinforced. Um, 
they can put turbo jets on them. There's lots yeah. of different stuff that they can do, but they take these older cars and they they fix them and then they do they'll they'll put you know basically a false uh, right. car on them because most of it is you're crashing anyways mm-hmm. or, or doing something. And then they only use the really good cars for any of the close up scenes or anything like that. Yeah. But even then, uh, most of the um, scenes that you watch where they're driving and you see the car and they're sitting and they're talking, um, that's not even a car at all most of the time. It's, or, it's the back or, end of a car. Yeah, or they take one of the cars, they sort of chop it up so you just have the front end and yeah. they have like a whole camera crew set yeah. up right in front yeah. of the windshield. Yeah, and they, and they do. They, they create these rigs, um, low rigs or whatever you want to call it, that uh, all the cameras, everything is actually on this flatbed that is down and it's only a foot off the ground. Um, so that way it looks like they're actually driving. So you got a crew, you've got cameras, you've got all over the place, mm-hmm. and that's what you drive around. That's you, you, Oh, that's you, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a camera car. Yeah. And, and some people who do a lot of this, I'm trying to think which, which director it was, um, they literally create their own camera cars with roll cages, and they're able to do these things where it looks like the, the there's no way the camera could have possibly survived that. So there's lots of innovation going on when it comes to cars and stunts and building cool well, stuff. Well, you know, and, the the advent of those mini cameras like GoPros is has was has been huge for the film industry because drones too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, drones. <laughs> huge. Right. Yeah. You know, and we used, to, we used to have to rent helicopters. You know, and, and especially helicopters, which you and know, gyroscopic uh, um, cameras. When um, you talk about drones and all that kind of stuff, another one of these sort of factor factor fiction thing is. Um, where are we going in the future? Are we going to flying cars, robotic cars, autonomous? You know, the word autonomous is also another big part of the vernacular now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where are we going with all all of these things? Is a is a flying car actually anything that's ever going to be in the future? I mean, the underwater car thing, I have no idea. But, I mean, there are cars that were built in the 40s that could uh, act as a boat. You know, yeah. Volkswagen had the Volkswagen thing, which was a car built for wartime that, you know, you could you could drive it right from land. You yeah. could drive it right into the water and it and it would float just like a like a kind of like a rowboat. It actually, the thing even kind of looks like a rowboat. Yeah, I mean, they had one in the Bond movie. Um, it was the spy who loved me and they had the Lotus uh, spirit there. And it was the car that actually went underwater and stuff like that and the reality is uh, you know we were looking at that and i was looking at this um up on top of the water absolutely anything that's going under the water they're they say they're really far away from that and it's well yeah really yeah. anything above really the fiction. water they can they can put a snorkel on it to for the engine you know so they can seal the engine but still allow air airflow with a snorkel but and, and there's this place in orlando called the boathouse we used to live in orlando so um you can go there and try out the uh what are they called the the amphibic cars you can oh <laughs> take those out on that oh is that that's in disney right where De- the, well it's out no it's outside, it's outside of, of uh, it's, it's right literally in orlando i think it's on lake mead oh um, okay not lake mead i can't remember what the lake was there but yeah so you can try that i thought that was interesting that huh. they wrote about that but yeah hmm. nothing underwater i cool. don't think so i'm listen you don't want to get me going talking <laughs> cars sure we already got that yeah, called Alexa, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So I, I was looking at that and say, yeah, talking cars, we got that. We yeah, that's yeah. right. That's, that's gonna happen. We, self-driving cars. That's. Ah, listen, th- 
there's certain things that they say they can autonomously do, mm-hmm. but they still have to have somebody in the car just in case something goes wrong. So fully 100% self-driving. And this was talking about race cars, by the way. Right. They, they were talking about that, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think... Um, but what's the oh, point? Oh, yeah, autonomous race car. Yeah, yeah, yeah but what's the point? Yeah, so so, so right. the driver just sits there and waits? I, <laughs> Uh, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, because I'm kind of thinking if you're the, going 160 just, miles an hour, you I don't have much chance of something I just saw a new, uh, you know, uh, Jay used to work at Disney. I used to, I saw this new, some of the um, animatronic that they're coming out with, some of the new animatronics, and they, they made a new one of Abraham Lincoln, and this thing has like 300 facial expressions it can make because of all the motors that they can put to... Raise the cheeks, wow. r- open the eyes, make different mouth things. You look at this thing, and uh, it's on, you know, it's on whatever YouTube or something. Um, it looks like a, it looks like Abraham Lincoln. I mean, it is. It, you almost are like, wow, that guy looks so much like Abe Lincoln. Yeah. And then you realize it's a robot. Yeah. Jeez. That stuff is creepy, yeah, man. Is. That the is whole, creepier was, than a banana in the tailpipe. Yeah. The Hall of Presidents. <laughs> yeah. Creepy. Yes, it is. Abe gets creepier. And I don't I'm, want to be I, the janitor that has to clean yeah. that place <laughs> at night, man. And, and I'm not saying either either way, but now they've got to do a Trump <laughs> animatronic. <laughs> I, what, what's he going to say? That's like, funny. <laughs> like, have you ever been there and you like listen to what they all say? And, you know, yeah. four score and seven years ago, okay, this all makes sense. And then you got Trump. And they got, they're thinking, oh, it's going to be interesting. What, yeah. Who's going to write that copy? Well, you know. What's it going to be? I don't, like. I just don't know. Listen, for for or against Trump, right? He's just a different character, yeah. man. He's just a different dude. He should have his own. Like, yeah, he's just a different should, dude. That's yeah, all. I, it's an interesting, but it was one of the first things. That was one of the funniest things. Is I remember when I I woke up the next morning and he was the president. And I first thing I thought about is, wow, they got he's got to go in the Hall of Presidents <laughs> over at Disney. And I'm thinking, you know, what are they going to? All say? the motors are going to be in his arms. You know, um, you know. The uh, Carousel of Progress at Disney. Oh, I remember mm-hmm. that very well. Yeah, yeah. I always like it. It's it's like when you have been tromping around that park all day with your kids, and you're waiting in all these lines. And then you go and you sit. And you, you can watch go sit that. in that thing. Yeah, it's and the just, animatronics where you yeah. go. Yeah, through it's a different, awesome. All the different. Uh, that's so yeah. great. I don't know. Man. I don't even know if it's still there. I, I'm pretty sure it's gone. I'm pretty oh, sure. that would be tragic. Well, if there's that's many gone. good things that but, um, are gone from yeah. Disney. Well, yeah, at this point. the twenty thousand leagues under the sea was was awesome. Yeah, the submarine that took you around. But that, um, my so, <laughs> my son and I were watching Iron Man two the other night, and in Iron Man two, it's there. It's basically set like kind of. The World's Fair in New York City, mm-hmm. only like a, a very new, modern, high-tech version of it. But the World's Fair, I mean, that was where that is a real thing, and it's in Flushing, New York. That's where the World's Fair was, I think. And uh, anyway, the um, uh, the Carousel of Progress, Walt Disney, that was one of his first rides, and he actually... Um, you know, built that for the World's Fair. That was a, a thing for the World's yep. Fair back in like the 1950s or 50 something or 60, like that. Something like that, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's, it was a, great. that's my that's my favorite. That and Splash Mountain are my two favorite. Uh, I like Splash two and rides Space at uh, at Disney. Yeah, I, you know, Carousel Progress for me was always was always great. I liked uh, a lot of the rides that they had, uh, even over at Epcot. 
Yeah. You know, like in Mexico, you could take the. Oh, little, yeah, that was nice. Oh, yeah. Any ride that you can sit in, it'll yeah. slowly take was, you around. You yep. can close your eyes and just chill. Just get the air conditioning. Yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was always the best. Now, again, one of the biggest problems is it rains there like all the time. So, you know, people are getting just soaked. So you're getting absolutely just drenched. Yeah. And then you go into one of these places and then it's the air it, conditioning. It's you're freezing. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. It, yeah. It, it, it's a horrible combination. <laughs> if it's, I if, definitely if it's don't want to be the janitor in any of those places at two in the morning cleaning up where there's animatronic figures. Uh, or like the haunted mansion. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I love the haunted mansion. I do. Again, very, you know, again, when this was built, you know, um, using mirrors and stuff like that to create these effects and stuff. They didn't have the effects and it's really classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff is just, I feel like we should say that this episode is brought to you by <laughs> Disney, <laughs> by Disney, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. 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 And if you, if I don't know, have they created the Trump um, robot yet? I don't know. And if they have, if anybody's listening to this and actually seen it, Please write in and let us know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that, that, that doesn't that they don't do that with presidents until after their after their president. I don't know when the Obama. I, I haven't been there. I don't think I've even been there uh, when Obama was president. So I'm not even sure if they have an Obama one, and they probably do at this point. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. So hmm. anyway, um, yeah. So flying cars. I'm gonna say that's a no go. I'm going to say no. Looking back, I've done, I've read a couple articles on the flying cars. Toyota apparently wants to come out with a new one next year. I just don't think it's going to actually happen. I can't see, I can't see how, like you watch movies like, uh, well, like the fifth element and like the, the, some of the, the sort of second generation of the Star Wars movies and stuff where they're flying around in these cities and there's seems to be almost no, you know, uh, it's all just chaos, right? Mm-hmm. It's all just cars just driving. I'm like, that could never happen. No. I mean, people be crashing into each other all over the place. But here's the here's the the reason why I say no way to 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 flying cars, or why it'll never be a mainstream way of transportation. Because first of all, there's only two ways, as we know of right now, to to take off in a flying vehicle, an airplane or a helicopter, and that is helicopter like a drone big propellers up and down mm-hmm. airplane you need a runway how are how are you going to do that you're going to come home let's say you live in a city you're not going to have room for a, a runway to take off and land so you'll have to land vertically um yeah. like a, a helicopter or a drone and imagine how much noise that you know how much noise is in a little drone <laughs> could you imagine the noise in a big drone but it's amazing there's three companies that are really working on this right now aston martin uber and oh. this one that I do not know how to pronounce, Terra Fuji. Fuji. I think I've re- yeah, I think yeah. I read one on that. And Uber's trying to do it to avoid uh, tra- traffic jams. But I'm with you. I, I just think, listen, this is just a bad idea. So it's bad enough that you get an accident now and you're on the road. Yeah. So if you're 400 feet up in the air and you have an accident, well, now that accident has just spread to you know, everything down low right. and mm-hmm. how many other people are affected. This is the one that I think will never happen. I don't ever. think yeah. I don't think it'll ever happen either. Now, no. I've been wrong about things in the past, and I, I and somebody will use this in another fifty years and go, "Boy, that guy was a jerk." He, <laughs> yeah, everybody's flying around. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say never. It's it's not. I mean, I think that there will be major advancements in air travel, and there may be some other things besides you know you having to spend. 
hundreds and hundreds of dollars to fly. Like at this point, I feel like air travel has not progressed the way it should have in the last 50 years. We are still flying planes that look exactly like they did in the 60s. Mm-hmm. and The same technology as like 1950 or yeah, 1960. And, and, and it's more expensive now, and it's even harder to get on a plane than it was in the 50s so, uh, or 60s. So I'm going to say that uh, it's a slow-going process. I think they're, you know, I, I know they're doing a lot of, between uh, Elon Musk and, and Virgin uh, Airlines. I mean, they're doing a lot with wanting to send people into space and all this stuff. We're going to see some cool things happen, but it's... Yeah, that's a whole other subject. It's just going to be a long time before we see anything that's really like kind of a, a, a new mainstream thing. Yeah, I'm not signing up for any of those. We just got to figure no, out how either. to make TSA quick, you know, get yeah. through TSA quicker. <laughs> yeah. That's everybody's, you know, all, I appreciate, all, all, let's go to Mars. Let's, yeah. no, how about fix TSA? Right. How about fix, <laughs> get, do, I let's appreciate get the simple things first. Don't right? get me wrong. I appreciate the level of security that it takes for me yeah. to get on a plane. I do appreciate it, but I wish that the, pro- I wish I didn't have to show up at the airport two hours before my flight, exactly. you know? So, so the thing that we always talk about, in my household is you know because both myself and my wife and i think me more obviously than her but love sci-fi like what would you what would you take away and like wish you could have now and and she's always like oh those replicators i think she just hates cooking she's like i just want it and i'm always like uh yeah no what would you take i go being able to transport somewhere are you kidding me Oh, you, oh, you want to go? Let's, I don't oh, even, let's go to Germany with Mark tonight for dinner. Yeah. And we're there. It's kind of cool, there, except I don't even like to use the microwave because I'm afraid that it's changing the molecules in my food. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I want to put myself on a platform well, and get beamed up somewhere. I would do that if I knew it worked, yeah. for sure. I obviously wouldn't just take a chance at the guy down the street, like the Doritos commercial that creates the time machine. <laughs> I'm probably not buying that. But this thing, if it actually worked, I was thinking, that would be great. You could do, you know, just think about it. You don't have to drive anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Right. You just go, oh, oh, there I am. Ah, I'm in the mood for sushi tonight. Oh, where are you going? Oh, I went to, you know, y- Yakamaro's over in t- Tokyo. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, see, I think I'd go that route. What would you yeah, but What see, would you take? But see what would happen, right? Jay would have his little portable, um, whatever you call it. Like, what do they call it in Star Trek? The thing that beams you places. A transporter? A transporter. And he'd forget to put gas in it, so he'd be on empty. Yet. He'd be sitting over in Tokyo, and he'd go, "I can't get back because <laughs> yeah, I, I, I let the thing get down too too far." I get to, I'm pretty sure it doesn't work on gas, <laughs> but you know, yeah. I'm not sure what it works on. I was just saying. Does anybody have an extension cord? I can't plug this thing in. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I would want. But it wouldn't be a flying car. Nah, probably that's, not. That's nuts. I'm thinking it would be kind of. I don't know. It would be. It would be super cool. To we do have fl- flying. Fly. We like, do have flying cars. It'd be cool if, planes. like, if you if you if <laughs> a, right? if, if having <laughs> a if having an F eighteen was affordable and just have that in the backyard and yeah. any and it didn't take uh you didn't need to have a lot of education to fly the thing. I'd like to just hop in that and just go fly around. You well, know, there's the lots of things that you that you, would be fun. you could do. I'm not as I always say. I'm not sure you should. Do, yeah. But. Right. <laughs> so all right, uh, Aaron. Do we have any news this week? Yeah, I have a couple articles here so tesla introduced dog mode to keep pets cool inside so they rolled out a couple new features including dog mode and sentry mode dog mode uses automatic sensors to maintain a comfortable temperature for pets inside the vehicle which also displays a message in giant letters for anyone who may be concerned about the pets inside so 
leaves out breaking in windows. Um, the second feature, sentry mode, will activate exterior cameras if it detects people near the vehicle and display a message on the central screen notifying anyone who may be looking inside the car that the car is using cameras to record them. Yeah, that's great. So you got your dog cool, but you get in your car and realize you got no battery power left yeah. to get home. <laughs> Pretty yeah, much. I don't know. I'm still, this whole thing, like, you can't cure stupid people. Uh, somehow they'll find a way to, you know. Right. You know, so that all, know. all of a sudden now it's this new thing on my car. I know I don't need that. Yeah. How about give me better gas mileage? Yeah. That's, you know, I'm, yeah. honestly, I'm thinking that that's where we should spend our time yeah. and focus. Not not coming up with stuff like this sentry mode. But I feel like the the dog mode kind of appeals to, and I group myself in this, but I don't like grouping myself in this, millennials who we we love our our dogs and take care of our dogs. I mean, well, sure. we're buying houses. You know, it's we not just our millennials dogs. that love yeah. their well, dogs. Yeah, but spoken like a true millennial. <laughs> you know, us millennials, we love our pets. Well, you know, us Generation Xers love our pets too. Well, or there was a wires study or that, Zers, whatever the hell they call it. There was a study that now. millennials are buying houses just for backyards for their dogs. I don't know. We, we got people that leave their they leave their children in their car. They forget them, True. right? So so now we're just going to create all these systems so you don't have to think at all. Like Oh, yeah, I don't have to worry about it. I got this new system in my car. Don't worry. If I leave my kid there all day, it'll be just fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. be a little tired and probably hungry, but, you know, <laughs> I'm eight, eight hours inside the car here in Arizona, whatever. I just watch it. I go, what are these people working on? Like, there's got to be other things you should be working on that, that, that yeah. we can fix. Like, how about our infrastructure? How about some type of asphalt that works that actually doesn't create potholes <laughs> mm-hmm. like four days later? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just yeah, saying, right. if, if I'm a researcher at a company – but I guess it's not sexy enough, so they do these, <laughs> these types. Oh yeah, no, I got this thing. It's going to tell me stop. You're approaching a car. I take my car. I don't really care. I mean, how what much else? extra is all that going to cost, too? Right. I and right. where are the cameras going, Mark? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I understand the safety thing, like the cameras you can see, so you're not running over in rear view camera. But now we're just like, I think we've lost our mind on some of this tech. I think I we have too. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So your steering wheel is four times dirtier than a public toilet seat. So carrentals.com recently dropped a study all about germs on their impact of cars. The report surveyed 1,000 people about their car cleaning habits, such as how often they vacuum and sanitize. The study showed that 32% of people clean their cars only once a year, while 12% don't clean it at all. The steering wheel is four times dirtier than a public toilet and two times dirtier than public elevator buttons. <laughs> Hand sanitizer right in my cup holder. See, we need cause... we need to have autonomous cars so I don't need to touch my steering uh, wheel listen, anymore. That steering wheel is <laughs> something because, you know, you got to think about it. So most yes. people, they go, they get gas, they've touched, yeah. boom, boom, boom. I get oh. it. Hand sanitizer, it's a great But I'll thing. just go back to saying, you know what, don't, don't freak out about it because, you know, Human body needs to have exposure to germs to, to stay, but if, to oh, have a strong yeah. immune system. So, eh, whatever. If you are worried, we do have a, a great detailer here. We can get your car yeah. in, too, oh, if you're worried at, about these look germs. Look at the sales segue on Aaron. <laughs> wow, that didn't take long. <laughs> we, well, it did actually take a while. We didn't really try to sell anything. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing over here. I, I, did you notice what he's drinking over there? <laughs> I didn't even know they made it anymore. Oh, this is the best. Squirt. Squirt. The thirst quencher. Okay, so let's talk about that from a marketing perspective. So I'm going to name a a drink Squirt. (laughs) Just – It tastes great. Let it sit with you. Let it sit with you for a while. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They still sell it. Yeah. And why do you have it? I'm still drinking it. Why do you – out of all the things in the world they sell, (laughs) do you have tab too? Do you – 
Tab. What's that Fresca. one? He, what, what's the one he tried to give Remember me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Crystal Light. Some, <laughs> I don't remember Some watermelon <laughs> soda. I'm like, watermelon seltzer. Hey, I'm an exotic soda drinker. What can I say? <laughs> you call it soda exotic. <laughs> Anything else, Aaron, before no, I get beat up too that, bad? That's all I got. <laughs> I just happened to look over, and I was like, what is he It took doing? you an hour to realize I was drinking realize, a squirt. Yeah. Switch from coffee to squirt. Well, everybody, uh, I think that's a good place for us to stop. Um, I'm Mark Fierbacher. I'm Aaron Kane. I'm Jay Lawrence. And uh, we thank you for listening to the Grease and Glamour podcast. You can see us wherever podcasts are found and listen to us, of course, wherever podcasts are found. Um, Like us on Facebook, you know, all those verbs, share, follow, subscribe, do all those things. Um, we really appreciate it. That's how we're, we're growing this baby. Um, probably, maybe even more importantly, visit universalimports.com for all of your automotive needs. So whether you're looking to, to buy a car, um, just want some advice, uh, need service on your vehicle, or you need body work, collision work, we can do it all. We're here at 585-381-8677 or universalimports.com. Until next time. Have a great weekend and week. And until the next podcast. Going down the hill again. <laughs> roll, roll, roll. <laughs> Another theme. We just can't even end the shows. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>